Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Creative Contact. I'm your host, Kia Orion. I'm the man who is obsessed with making dope music and teaching you how to make your own. Thank you so much for tuning in. You could be anywhere in the world, but you're here with me, and I appreciate that. In the vein of full disclosure, I'm going to let you guys know that I had actually already recorded this podcast, but... Uh, the way that I'm actually learning to accept the seven spiritual laws of success, which we're going to be talking about today, my review of it, I'm learning to uh, accept things as they are, not as they want them to be. And as I want them to be was that I would have liked to have recorded this when I thought I was before, but as luck would have it, I wasn't. And so taking things as they are, we're doing it again. So we're going on this adventure together the second time, hopefully... My review is even a little bit more, uh, I'd say, pointed this time because it'll be our second time doing this together, even though the first time you unfortunately weren't there with me. But uh, as always, if you are, um, uh, uh, if you've been listening to this podcast, you know that I like to talk about all things kind of related in terms of life, love, work, business, music, travel, everything in between, and. Um, this is going to be one of those shows where I do a deep dive into some content recently that I've consumed, which is the book I was telling you about. It's this famous Deepak Chopra book. And so I want to talk to you about that, my, my two cents on it, my takeaways. I've taken some notes on it, which I'll be going through here shortly. But before diving into that, I wanted to, because it's key as pod, I want to give you a quick life update on where we're at, what's going on with me, and we'll take it from there. So first things first. I've been, uh, the last, I'd say, week and some change, maybe 10, 12 days, um, I've been, my, my mom came to visit, so I've been with my Dukes, and we had a blast. I feel really fortunate to have a mom that I enjoy traveling with, and that I can have these adventures with, and uh, mom is definitely like the go-getter type, so we had a lot planned, and we were able to get to most of it. There were some days we had kind of called a couple audibles here and there. Because either weather or we got, excuse me, we got recommendations from a friend or something like that. And it was just, it was a cool trip overall. We ate really good food. We had a couple trips to small uh, cities and, or cities in the right word for it, small towns is more like it around here in Medellin. And as the workaholic that I am, it's sometimes hard to, for me to break out of that routine of like boxing, training, or working out and actually working and cooking, you know what I mean? I'm just kind of a robot like that. So it was cool to have an excuse to actually go do some cool stuff around Medellin and around the country. And uh, yeah, we had fun. It was cool. If you want recommendations, especially parent-friendly recommendations for Medellin, let me know. Uh, my favorite, I think the the standout adventure was this place called Rio Claro, which it was maybe like three hours by bus from Medellin. And we had like this adventure day where... Uh, we like went rafting with these two other Colombian women and then we continued on this adventure. They dipped out and then we like swam down this stream and then climbed up, like climbed up through this stream of like big rocks. It was beautiful. We got really like, it was a beautiful day. And then we came to a cave that was completely pitch black. And there are these things I call it, I think they're called guachero. I don't exactly know, but it's like some sort of a bird. It's like a bat bird. So it's a bird, but it behaves like a bat, meaning it lives in these really dark caves. It relies on 
sonic communication because their eyes are not really adapt and or adept adaptable you know what i'm trying to say and they make really weird sounds and so you're in this cave and it they're like glow in the dark scorpions and spiders and stuff and i think it was giving my mom a little bit of a run for her money at some point there's definitely it was definitely a practice in focus because you you don't you have these tiny flashlights and so you're walking through this like water this running water and kind of climbing up these rocks in this pitch black cave and you just hear these things making these really like they're like they sound like it's something like Lord of the Rings is like Rah! like really just it's just creepy just creepy shit but it was cool and it was a cool practice and just focus and just you know one step at a time climbing through these rocks mom i was really impressed i think she she asked the guy i think she's the oldest person to ever do this adventure at least a foreigner i think there was like some some local folks that did that were that were older but i was really proud of mom she handled herself really well and it was uh it was just a cool adventure to to be able to share with mom and also to um, just have the experience in general so again very grateful for that have been counting my blessings and also feel very fortunate that that I've been able to somehow course my mom into coming out and visiting me in just about every country uh, at this point. She came to see me in Asia and Mexico and now here in Medellin. So it's a cool little, it's a cool little, not ritual, but I'd say uh, it's a cool thing we've got going. And I have, it's a big part of my dream to someday be able to do this and maybe slightly more extravagant measures with mom. And kind of give back to her in, in, in ways of just having a little bit more, I think, like lush adventures. Where right now these are still pretty um, pretty bare bones. But uh, we have a good time nonetheless. But you're not here because you want to hear about my adventures with my mom. Unless you are my mom. And then what's up, mom? Uh, you're here because we want to talk about the seven spiritual laws of success. And before we get to that... I want to just give you a little update on kind of what's going on with me and my life, and then we'll jump into that content. The reason why this book right now, I want to talk about this is because I'm at a point in my life where I just feel like I'm at a crossroads. I've talked about this before. I turned 36 months ago. I feel like I'm at a point I've just been searching, right, for the for the last maybe six, seven months. Before turning 30, I felt it coming, and then right when I turned 30, just at this crossroads, and... I got into some, some pretty, uh, uh, I wouldn't say negative, but some, just uh, some, um, and not, I think sometimes not very healthy behavior and sometimes addictive behavior around women and, um, and even working through stuff with myself since I've been here in Medellin, it's been a very challenging chapter, but I feel like I'm kind of on the up and up, like kind of pulling out of it, really figuring out what I want, where I'm going. And there are a couple pieces to that. And obviously so much of this comes down to your mentality, your brain, rewiring your brain, mental belief, manifestation, all of these things that I really believe in and really have had to. And and even with the near death experience thing a couple weeks ago, like just really have had to dive deep recently. And so there are a couple things on my radar that I've been thinking about. And one of them is like this, this kind of spiritual laws of success is kind of like, where am I going next? And really trying to dial that in and, and what I want. And so one piece of that is in terms of location, my visa is up here at the end of December. So I'm going home for the holidays, see mom and pop. And then I'm thinking Brazil, I would love to, I've been obsessed recently with learning Portuguese. I don't know why, 
but I think it'd be cool to go to Brazil, get some of that, that beach life, get some of those sunny vibes going and really work on my Portuguese. And, um, in, in este momento, is it now, 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 fala, no, now, fala muito bem, now, fala muito bem, mas eu quero aprender mais, I think, I've been, I've been working on it, it's as basic, it's about as much as I can say right now, really kind of short phrase, and I really got to think about it, but something about language learning I've just been really inspired by, and so I've just been kind of obsessed with Portuguese recently, working on my, my first thousand words, really trying to nail down my vocab, and then we'll eventually get to putting them together and stuff of that nature, but needless to say, that's kind of where it's on my horizon, is like, I'm thinking maybe Brazil next, and diving into Portuguese, and then also this next year, really kind of stripping away everything that isn't important and really dialing in on the music marketing, which I've talked about a lot before. I love doing the song a week. I think I might continue that for a second year and just see how long I can do the song a week thing, like until the wheels fall off, because I just love making music. That's really my, that's really my true passion, but obviously it'd be cool to actually get some people to listen to it and that's something that I've been, I, for some reason, I really struggle with that piece. I really struggle with the marketing, like running Facebook ads, Instagram ads, swipe up ads, and like putting that, I don't know why, but making marketing materials is not something I really love doing when it comes to my music, but it's a, it's something that I know I need to hone in on and, and learn how to do, and so I think I'm going to be spending my mornings, so it's just a recent development, I'm spending my mornings learning Portuguese, and then my afternoons on working on marketing for music. But speaking of doing kind of some self-discovery, I made the commitment to an ayahuasca ceremony next weekend. So this week I'll be gearing up for that. And the next podcast I do will be a deep dive into uh, my thoughts around that sort of intentions, why I want to do it, what I want to get out of it, expectations, even though I'm sure all of those will be shattered, and why right now. And just kind of to give you kind of kind of give you guys an idea of kind of where I'm at with that, but I'm going to save all that for next week. But needless to say, I'm just kind of in this phase right now of searching and really trying to dial in, dial in a couple of things, which brings me to this book by Deepak Chopra, which was recommended to me by a friend. You know who you are. Shout out Jay. Um, I liked it. I, I, I got it on the audiobook per recommendation and listened to it. I just took a long walk and listened to it in one sitting. And it was cool. There was a lot I agreed with, and there were some I didn't exactly, but they just kind of I have some certain thoughts on these different, I, a couple ideas that, that resonated with me and, and some that I was like, hmm, I'd be curious about that. But also at the same time, in, I guess, uh, not not tandem with this book, but I guess in, in sort of trying to digest some of these lessons from the book, uh, some of these ideas about not about being more flexible with ideas and opinions and and being more open to changing yourself. And I just think as a ego, we get so wrapped up in our own narrative of who we are, what we are, what we believe, that challenging that I think can sometimes feel a little dangerous, which is why we cling to our beliefs so tightly. And so working, trying to kind of unravel that a little more, 
of, of less having some super solid sense of self and identity and having that be a little bit more fluid, which can be dangerous. And that's gotten me in a little bit of trouble recently, but I like that idea of it being, of, I like everything. I think being adaptable and being flexible is just something I put a lot of, I like, I, I, I find really valuable. And so even when it comes to things like that, in terms of identity, I like to I toy with ideas of kind of like who I, like who am I? And not in like a, existential way but just the way that i feel like i can try on different suits or different um personalities kind of in a way and just to see just to try it out and see how it goes and it's not like you have to be in those modes all the time but um that's how i think about it. it's like you have your different cloaks or different like suits that you keep in your closet it's like this is my i think you can be everything right as humans i don't think we're just like one thing which is what makes us interesting so to the book review, The Seven Laws of Spiritual Success or something like that by Deepak Chopra. Law number one is the law of pure potentiality, which sounds way cooler when he says it. This was a chapter, the, the couple big takeaways that I got from this were, I think he starts off the book with this, for, and it's a good reason to, is kind of like to like recenter yourself in a way. And he talks about the importance of like meditation, creating silence, and just kind of being this order of just kind of like being there. And and I know for myself, I've been having this this uh, 10 to 12 minute, 12 to 15 minute meditation practice. He recommends an hour, which is a little bit much for me right now, but uh, working on it. And I like my kind of 10 to 15 minutes, something I find is doable. I can do it every morning. It doesn't seem like a whole, it's not like, I don't feel a lot of friction. I actually look forward to it. And I find that that's helped me a lot in terms of mindfulness and kind of like, again, like here's your ego and it kind of like, kind of like comes up with this like objective perspective, which I think is kind of cool. And that, that I like that he has that. He recommends 30 minutes in the evening, 30 minutes in the morning. I'm more just like a 15 minutes in the morning type of guy, but it's kind of going on long walks, being reconnected with nature, like just kind of being centered again is part of that. And then another piece that I loved about that chapter was he talks about taking events as they are. And the, I, the importance of non-judgment. So rather than if I see someone and they give me a weird look, rather than saying, oh, they don't like me or um, they have an issue with me or whatever it is, like just saying that happened and just trying to be more objective about events rather than reading into them and then also taking events as they are, which I thought was really cool, rather than what we want them to be. Meaning if you get caught in traffic, being like, oh man, like blah, 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 feeling really rushed or whatever it is, just being like, this is the moment, this is, this kind of goes like the everything was meant to be sort of a mantra, which I think can be really difficult and not always true. But I think the reason why those are so powerful because it helps us make sense of the world rather than living in the past or the future or worrying about things we can't control is it's those help you, I think, this like feeling of kind of acceptance, even in some like Buddhism, you know, on a Buddhism tip of just sort of like accepting things as they are, because that's really, even if you don't love it or you don't agree with it or you don't think everything happens for a reason, like you can't change it. So why, why get bent out of shape out of something that's outside of your control? So I thought that was a cool way to start the book. Two, the law of giving. I thought this was cool, a cool chapter, a little hippy dippy, but all right. It's, it's pretty much on the for it's pretty much always leave somebody better than you found them in a way like 
he says, always give something to somebody. It doesn't have to be a physical thing. It could be a compliment or a prayer, a silent prayer, something like that. On some Dale Carnegie, this is kind of like take the idea off of yourself and think about other people first, like give people more than you get, which I thought was rad. And I do try to do, although I, you know, I like to talk a lot, so sometimes I don't always get it, but the law of giving also in terms of gratitude, uh, grateful, grateful for what life gives you that day. And there's some other things in that chapter. It wasn't my favorite chapter, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it. But I like that of kind of make it more about others, less about yourself, which is something I think we all can learn from. Okay, law three, law of karma, cause and effect, mindfulness. Everything has an equal and opposite reaction. You know that already if you took a high school physics class. <clears throat> Understanding the message from life. Oh, I like this a lot. So this is this idea of karma and that nothing goes unanswered in life. Good, bad, whatever. We all have a karmic debt that, whether we like to admit it or not, is being tallied up by the universe. And what I thought was cool about this was this idea that um, to make you think about the choices like what are the consequences of the choice you're going to make and to be mindful of what those are. And one exercise in doing this that I actually learned from, I've been doing this men's circle every week, every Tuesday. And one participant uh, named David from the last men's circle, who's the man mentioned this exercise about how would you, if you were the star in your movie, if you were the star because we all feel like we're the star of our own movie. What would the hero do in this situation? And thinking about that. And I, what's cool about that is it kind of, again, it helps you kind of remove yourself from your ego and think. It just gives you that outside perspective again to say what would it. It just helps you kind of give that, that third eye, third person perspective a little bit outside of yourself which I think can be really powerful. And that's kind of what mindfulness is all about is being aware of your own thoughts, that you're having thoughts, being aware of yourself rather than just kind of being on autopilot. And that thought of what would the hero of this of my movie do again, kind of helps you do that. And this whole chapter I thought was geared towards mindfulness. And in that regard specifically, which I thought was really cool. There was one part that I didn't agree with this, with this chapter. And he talks about when you're going to make a choice, what is the effect on others, which I think is important and a cool point. But then he also talks about thinking, like feeling what the decision is and if the feeling feels comfortable. He's like, if it feels comfortable, forge ahead with reckless abandon. If it feels uncomfortable, like think about it twice and like don't do it or something like that. That's a key is like totally butchered Deepak Chopra's uh, perspective. But my two senses on this is I really try to, push myself to be uncomfortable. And I found this a little hypocritical because he talks in a chapter we're going to get to soon about uncertainty and the importance of uncertainty. And so maybe I'm just misinterpreting this or trying, maybe I'm just being unintentionally combative or intentionally combative. But he talked, you know, when I think about a decision that I'm going to make in my life, if it makes me uncomfortable a lot of times I've learned to run towards that because you almost get more reward out of doing that than if you were to say, is this comfortable? I think, I think sometimes 
one reason why I've been struggling, honestly, is because I have gotten very comfortable. And that's why I also like to switch my, my city and my location and everything like that because it, it, when I find when I get comfortable, it gets dangerous. And I think there's a real beauty that, a real privilege in being comfortable, but also even when it comes to talking to girls, that's something I've been really working on more, talking to women just in the street like or in the grocery store, just like out and about like real life rather than doing online dating here and just trying to like cold approach women and learning that getting that skill down and also you wonder like but it's still uncomfortable right rejection is scary but also learning that like you don't it's not fatal and i think that that's a really powerful thing is learning that things that are uncomfortable are rarely fatal um so that's something that i thought was just a little hypocritical compared to something later in the book we're going to talk about but we're moving right on law number four the law of least effort acceptance again this comes back to the moment is as it should be not what i wish it were i love that that's like my whole thing no expectations to go into things with no expectations i love this this is actually something that i learned from a i've been haven't learned i've been trying to incorporate this from a friend named lena who i was taught she, she's helped me a ton shout out lena um with again with dating especially here where i've really struggled dating here in medellin it's just because the the cultural differences between Colombian women and um, American women and um, or you know women from the states because we're all American and also the the idea of just going on dates in general and like to have less expectations and to have the expectation just be to have it to roll with the moment like to just be in the moment with that other person, whether it's going great or not. I think I've had often before as a man, I think we can sometimes be programmed to have like dating or, or sometimes interactions with women. It's almost like this like cat and mouse kind of chase thing around, you know, sex or more dates or attention or whatever it is. But we have this kind of, uh, we have expectations, I think, of what we want it to turn out to be. Like there's something to win or something to gain rather than it just be like, let me just like be with this person and just enjoy an hour with this person, whether it goes great, whether it doesn't go great. Like let's just be here together now and just like roll with that wave. And that was something that I've been working on. And that, that completely changed my approach to dating. I've had a lot more fun on dates once I just let go of that and just was like, let me just see where this goes rather than having some sort of like ulterior motive of trying to get her to bed or something like that. So that, I loved that. No expectations. Um, and man, there were some, this was probably one of my favorite chapters, the law of least effort, even though it sounds wonky. Cause I do believe in, in a lot of effort, but also there were some really cool ideas. One was you are where you are because of the choices you made which I love in terms of like radical responsibility. You're here. You're ex where you are is because of a series of choices that you made. Life is a series, a series of choices. Theories is formed from experience, never mysterious forces. Dead Prez line, I think I learned when I was 15. I'll never forget. And there's something about that radical responsibility of like you are here because of you and choices, which also means you can get wherever you want to go because of choices, but it's going to take 
deliberate action and choices. Speaking of the law of least effort, which he talks about uh, in this chapter, is um, I think we so often, like I was talking about even with our personalities, is we have a point of view of that we cling to very rigidly. And we want to, we try to force this on other people. If you don't believe what I believe, you're wrong or something like that. Or if you aren't a... Republican or a Democrat or whatever it is, like I'm, I'm, I'm casting you away. I'm, you're, you're out of my friend group or a top ten or top eight or whatever it was on MySpace. Like we just like cut people out for stupid shit compared to this idea of defenselessness of like approaching their idea with the uh, with like, a, what if you approached an argument with the idea of what if they're right. And that's really hard to do because it's so intrinsic in us to want to be right, to be correct. I like this idea of defenselessness. Again, this comes down to my dad would hate this because my dad is all about like being a man and having values and knowing what you are and standing for those. But I also, I, I don't know, maybe I'm too much of like a millennial, but I like the idea of like everything being fluid of like, yes. Knowing what you are, knowing who you are to an extent, but also that those things can change and being open to those things changing and also knowing that the idea of who you think you are is really a narrative that you've created and has changed over time. That like there is no objective truth, that you aren't actually anything, like you're actually, this is all performative and that's more my take, which is why I like the idea of going into arguments or I still have a point of view on things, right? I'm not just being tossed around, but willing to, and I've talked about this a lot, but not believing everything I think and trying to be more open to that. And I just like this idea of being defenseless in a way. And maybe this is a problem. Maybe this is something that I, I could work on in the men's circle. This is something I talk about with, with my, my guy friends every week during that time is how to be more sometimes be a little bit more pointed like maybe sticking up for myself a little bit more and having difficult conversations and certain things but I also just like the idea of like I said before of like having those those cloaks in the closet that like I'm gonna put on my argumentative cloak or I'm gonna put on like my badass cloak or my nice guy cloak or my sexy cloak or whatever it is that like you don't have to be everything all the time. And just this idea, I think especially in the States right now, we're so polarized that it's really a shame because I think we, if we were to take that kind of stupid bullshit politics stuff, I was like, whether you wear a mask or don't wear a mask, like honestly doesn't really matter. Like we would probably agree on like 99% of other things. Like we're all just trying to manage like life is a tragedy and it's fucking tough and we're just trying to do the best that we can. So why don't we find the other 99% of things that we can agree on and get along rather than feeling like this 1% of us defines the entire person or defines our entire selves. But maybe that's as tribal animals as community-oriented animals, we like feeling like we're part of a group and an in-group. And that's why I think sometimes things like politics can get so heated 
because it's intrinsic in us. If you take away all the modern bullshit, intrinsic in us as animals, as biology, to want to feel like we're part of a group that believes similar things that we believe. And so this threatens that. And that's why I don't think it's a really popular idea. But um, I also love the idea, the juxtaposition, the tension that I'm constantly talking with friends about between philosophy and biology because there's so much philosophy in this kind of conscious space and becoming conscious man that I agree with and there's still so much kind of hedonistic, egotistic, uh, kind of self-serving things that I do feel like are intrinsically biologic and that I also think are as equally important to understand and to admit and to be aware of as they are the kind of like flowers and rainbows kind of hippy dippy philosophical piece of being a conscious adult. So I like this chapter a lot. Obviously you couldn't tell. All right. The next one is the law of intention and desire. Ooh, I like this one a lot. The law of intention and desire. Again, some things I agreed with, some things I didn't. One thing I did agree with he talks about with intention and the power of attention. And that I think is especially, excuse me, in this day and age, huge because everything is vying for our attention and notifications and whatever and likes and Instagram that it's like the power of attention really is a superpower. But setting your intention and knowing where to put that kind of superpower, what that spotlight focus on is also super important. And so he talks about like, don't waste that. Like, don't be distracted. Like, like find or figure out or have a purpose and then be diligent about following that. Another, this is one I didn't agree with. He says, don't share your desires with others. I like to share desires with others because even if it's ludicrous and completely ridiculous, I talk about my dreams all the time on here, laughable or not, considering I don't have any fans that I'm trying to headline Madison Square Garden is that it puts you on the hook. And I like that. I was talking to a friend, Lena, actually, again, about this yesterday. Lena, obviously, is one of those people that helps me kind of work through these these tough points of friction that I have sometimes with these ideas. But this idea of being on the hook, which I think is really important. And I, I learned this from Seth Godin of like, there's a beautiful piece about making your art, which I love, making music and and creating, but I think there's something equally powerful about putting it out there into the universe, making these performance videos, showing you the work I've made and said, I made this, what do you think? Because as soon as I make these performance videos, you can say, Kia, this is whack. You can say, you can think I look weird. You can think the music's bad. You can think the lighting is, is wonky. Whatever it is, I'm putting myself out there to be judged. I'm saying, I'm putting a stake in the ground and saying, I created this thing and it gives you the power to not like it rather than if I just make it in my little cave and never show it to anybody. Yes. I think the end of the day, when it comes to creation, the real power is in just the enjoyment of making the thing. Like don't get it twisted. Like just the fact that the time goes by fast and when I'm making it and I'm in it and the, 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 the gem from the universe of just feeling good from making something I think is kind of the ultimate goal. But there's this other piece to it of being on the hook, which I do think is also really important. 
And so that's why I liked the, I like the idea of sharing desires with others because again, you, I like that idea of accountability, right? Do you do what you say you're going to do? Yes or no? Binary. Are you working towards what you say you want to work towards? Are you full of shit? Like what, how strong is your word? So one of those things that I, I don't know. I, I think I like, I get his take on it of like keeping it close to your chest, but I like putting it out there saying, this is what I'm doing. This is what I want to do. And then seeing if you can pull it off because it allows you also, I think that motivation because it then gives people the opportunity to judge you or keep you accountable or give you shit for it. If you aren't anyways, speaking of which, uh, two other big ones. He says, don't let others influence your sense of self. Again, not something I necessarily agree with. I do think there's something really beautiful about going inward. For example, this, you know, an ayahuasca ceremony, going on a long walk in the woods, being with yourself that I think can be really powerful and not always looking for validation or, or recognition or perspectives from others. But I, for me, I apply this concept and there's like social media comments, like people being like, this is not it. Or people being like, Kia, you're the best. Like, I'm just like, cool. Thank you for both of those. But I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing because I'm passionate about it. So whether you like it or not, and if you like it, cool. If you don't turn it off, period. Um, but yeah, like sometimes it's good to just turn inward. I feel you, bro. The next piece is this, which I thought was awesome was he says, relinquish attachment to the outcome. This one is huge. This one is huge because this is so often where I get caught is the outcome. Even Madison Square Garden example, right? Like that is an outcome. That is not something necessarily that I can control. What I can control, and that's why I like the, again, I like the idea of like sharing big dreams of like shooting for them. Actually, what's crazy Talking about the shooting for the moon, as I'm saying this, out of my window right in this moment is a rainbow. I can see a rainbow. Can't see the pot of gold at the end of it. There's a big-ass rainbow outside my window. Shout out to Medellin one time for the weather. And I like this idea of focusing. Again, I keep coming back to this. I was talking about it in the first principle. We're talking about it again now. That's why I agree with so much of like the Buddhism, uh, the Buddhist religion, culture is... You control what you can control. The outcome is not, it's not worth spending that time getting frustrated with because that's wasted energy towards something that, that it's like when we get hung up on the past, which I, again, I'm completely guilty of this too. It's not something that I think helps push you in the direction you want to go necessarily. I mean, yes, learn from your mistakes, thousand percent. But when we get caught up on the outcome, I think it almost robs us of the beauty of the process. And that's really where the magic is. Like I was talking about before with the making of the music stuff, being on the hook, whatever. Say I make, say I had died a few weeks ago in the hospital, never did the Madison Square Garden thing, never had any fans, whatever. I still was, a, what I'd be able to take with me in the life that I have had now at 30 years is all of the enjoyable moments that I've had to make music. 
that I've been, I've lived a really, I've lived a lot of life for 30 years, man. That's why I say it in a song I'm coming out soon. I've lived a lot of life for 30 years. 30 for 30. You'll see it on the day when it's there. Um, not talking, uh, I'm feeling like Mike, not just with Jordans and Airs. I did a day from here. I some I got some bars coming. I got some bars. I got some bars. Uh, I just can't remember them on the spot. But um, there's there's a real power I think in detaching from the outcome and focusing on the process, which is not something that's a new concept, but one that I think is really powerful to return to. That I myself often return to. Okay, we're getting there. Law number six: law of detachment. This was a joint. Law number six. This was a joint. Become certain in the uncertainty. I love this one. I don't think there was anything I didn't like about this chapter. The only thing you can be certain of is uncertainty, right? Seeing difficulties and obstacles as opportunities. Being open to the magic of possibility. I love this. That we cling so rigid, myself included, cling so rigid sometimes to certain things. I think we don't see the magic of, even if it's an error or a mistake, an obstacle, that those are actually opportunities. I think at this point, for me, right, as an example, I have a sample size, an N of one. I, I never had a producer that really believed in me. That was like, Kia, I just take these free beats. I believe in you. So I learned how to make beats. Same thing. I never had a lot of money, so I couldn't always pay an engineer. So I learned how to engineer. I'm teaching myself how to sing right now. Like, I, I, there's just, there's so much about, even at this point being 30 and still trying to blow up as a rapper, that I think makes it so much more worth it because that's my story, right? That's my journey. My journey wasn't to get popping at 22. Although I would have liked that to happen, that wasn't in the cards for me. And there's a reason, I think, that that didn't happen. I think that you adapt and respond and are given challenges as your skill level, your mental awareness reaches those, those things, right? I think you're, the universe gives you challenges that, that you can kind of at your skill level. Like if I'm not there yet, like there's a reason, right? That's what I believe at least. Again, it comes down to choices. My choices. If I make the right choices, I can get where I want to go. I just, I'm not making the right choices. That's what I believe. And what I liked a lot about this chapter is that then seeing those obstacles as opportunities and also just as, I was talking about this last night, actually. Last night was Thanksgiving and I went to an event here that was really cool. I was talking to a guy about this. It was all those years subbing, working in a cubicle, being a high school substitute teacher that makes all of this worth it, that makes all of this feel sweet, that makes this wouldn't have the same gravity if it weren't for that, if it weren't for the struggle, if it weren't for the years that were tough. And someday, fingers crossed, when I'm able to achieve more things, I'll it, these days, I'll appreciate that when I didn't have fans, right? When I was still kind of scraping by on a budget, when I was beating my head against the wall trying to make things work, making these podcasts that nobody listens to. But like, I'm hoping that, I'm not even hoping I know, right? That it's like, 
this is part of the process, this is part of the journey, and that it's because of these moments that anytime you, you're able to reach the next level, you're, you're able to be grateful for those things because you've put the reps in. This is putting the reps in. And so, man, that one really resonated with me. Another one I loved to that point was um, being uncertain is letting people be who they are. Again, this comes kind of back to another point we were talking about before with being defenseless is rather than coming into an, an, a conversation with the idea of wanting to change somebody, coming in, letting them be who they are. And rather than trying to rigidly impose your ideas on them saying, what can I learn from this person? Or how can I be interested in this person, in this conversation? If they aren't a super com- interested person or conversation, um, saying, let me, what would this look like if I were actually curious about it and not still sharing your ideas, sharing your perspectives, right? I'm an excitable guy. If you've been to any of these cities that I love in Mexico and in Colombia and in Asia, like I'm, I'm going to be excited. Oh, did you do this? Did you do that? Tell me about what you think about this city? Ah, ah, like I'm going to share, right? I'm going to be excited, but I'm not going to say this is the best city. This is the best thing. You need to believe what I believe. Although I'm going to be passionate about what I believe, but it doesn't mean that I'm, I need to necessarily change the way you think. And I find I've run into this a lot with my mom, especially with the last few weeks when she was here, that my mom might have a different perspective than I do. And I talked about this but in the two podcasts ago or one before she came of like really working on wanting the best for my mom. So, so sometimes giving her difficult feedback on things that I think when I see opportunities and saying, Hey mom, I think you might not even be aware of this is something I just want to let you know. I feel like you could, you could improve on this or mom, you might not even realize it, but I think, um, you know, these are some, these are some resources that I found really helpful that you might really dig as well. But at the same time, n- accepting, I think this happens a lot with parents, kids, whatever. I've also accepting her as she is. And the older I get, the more, the easier that becomes, the more grateful I am for my parents as they are. Even though there are things that I, that I, you know, we all have our, our challenges and our friction with our, with our relatives and with our loved ones of seeing them more as, I think I'm just more forgiving, right? For things they did in the past, for who they are now, for whatever it is. That I might say, here's some things I think could be cool. Take them or leave them. It is what it is. Rather than saying, you need to change to be more like who I want you to be. And just letting them discover themselves. I think my, honestly, my mom right now, I feel like is having like this complete like rebirth of the woman that she is. Like, I feel like she's really finally coming into herself. And I notice it in just the way that she interacts with me, with other people, uh, with the just her content, this whole I just feel like she's like really on this same path of self discovery, and it's cool to be on that with her at the same time. Um, but also understanding that we've had completely different lives, and that those our differences are what make us human right? Like it would be boring if we were the same, if she believed exactly what I believed. And so it's 
that's when I really like is, is accepting people as they are and still saying, you know, we all have room to grow. And if you aren't intentionally, I think, growing, I think you're stagnating and decaying. But also understanding that uh, people are going to think differently than you do. And that's okay. Okay, moving right along. Law of Dharma or purpose. This is the last and final law. I've kept you guys here for 45 minutes. I'm sorry, but I had a lot to talk about, a lot of ideas on this book, apparently. Um, this one, again, some I agreed, some I disagreed. What did we think about this chapter? This one is all about purpose. And it's about, like, what are my unique abilities? Again, this is where I disagree a little bit with Deepak. My man Deepak, he was like, he was like take the time to find your unique abilities. And this is where I disagree. I think that unique abilities are curated. I don't think I was born to be a musician. I don't think I have any natural musical talent. I never had any musical ability. Nothing was natural about being passionate about music. But I think as I've learned and read more about the science of skill acquisition, like um, what's his name? The guy who wrote uh, The Sports Gene. He also wrote the, the book Range. I forget his name. It'll come to me later, but check out the book range and it's awesome. And it's about how our skill, it's not like when we're little, we need to just focus on one thing and become like the best thing. Even if our parents want us to, it's about like trying all these different things. And so for me, I don't think it's about just like having a, like God blessed you with some talent and you need to find it. I think it's more like you experiment with shit. And then like, as you get better at something, it becomes more fun to do. So then you do it more and then you get better at it. And then you continue to do it and you get better at it. And it's more fun to do. And it's like this like cyclical thing of skill acquisition that like is not something that you're born with. I really am such a firm believer. Talent is overrated. Maybe this is just me because I wasn't naturally gifted with anything that I believe so much in the power of passion, hard work, dedication, and that's really where, for me, I just know I can do anything I set my mind to. That's also maybe um, a, I, I'm not sure the right word, but like maybe a piece of my upbringing was just having really supportive parents in that regard. But I really do feel like I could do anything if I really set my mind to it. And that's where the music stuff came in. It wasn't like it just like I was great at it. Like it's taken a decade to actually make the music that I make and I'm still getting better. I look at all the songs from the last, what, 45, 46 weeks. I've been doing a song a week and they've changed drastically. Like you're, I'm constantly improving. And as I improve, it gets more fun. You get that skill acquisition, you become more, you hone your expertise. And so I really think people get caught up too much in trying to like find their purpose where like, I really think your purpose is made. Like think about what it is that you like to do. If you're like, I don't know, I like to watch TV. I'm like, well, Try some shit, like, and then if there's something, like, go for it. Um, I didn't grow up doing martial arts, but I just learned along the way. I love to do martial arts, and as I do more, I get better. It's more fun, etc. But you, you'll, you'll try stuff, and you'll have kind of maybe a little of a spark here or there. Certain things are like, yeah, that's kind of cool. Recently, I started dancing. I took dance lessons. I took bachata lessons, and I just didn't love it. Like, I again, I tried it. I said, let me give myself eight lessons. I'm just not... I like the idea, I think, of it, but I don't like going out late. I don't, you're right. If I, the music that I, I have a hard time feeling the rhythms because I'm a goofy white guy. I love certain rhythms and certain music I really feel in my soul. And I'm like, if I want to dance, I should probably try those things because I'll probably feel more of a spark for it. But 
I do feel like I could become a really good dancer if I set my mind to it. But again, when it comes to purpose, I don't think we have one purpose in this life. This may be controversial. I don't think we have one purpose. I think the choices you make, again, I'm going to sound like a broken record, decide kind of where you go. There's a reason I got a vasectomy. We'll put it like that. I have some friends work a bunch of jobs for their kids and they love it because their purpose, they feel like their purpose is now being a dad. I don't feel like that's my purpose. And so I didn't want to have that by accident and have that purpose be chosen for me. I didn't want the purpose to be like, Kia, now you need to take care of your kids. So your purpose is being a dad, go work some shit. I'm like, I'm not about that life. I do think it'd be cool to be a dad maybe someday, but I I could have, right? Maybe the universe wasn't looking in my favor. One of those accidents, that girl could have kept it and I would be in a complete different place. But just the way the the turn of events, the way things have turned out, I was able to skate by with the skin of my teeth and here we are. But I also think I could have been a good physical therapist because I'm fascinated with human bodies. I think I could have been a good massage therapist. I think I... I don't know. I could have been good at a lot of things. Who knows? But I just, for me, I love music. I know it's something that I'm passionate about. I'm like, why not try to be a rapper? Because um, I think it's dope. And it's something that I could see myself doing for a long time and kind of on some Dr. Dre shit, like eventually like building other people up and just making beats and building businesses. And that's to me just like seems really cool. I just was like, for me, it was less about like, what is my God given talent? And I just looked at like, whose life do I want? And I was like, Dr. Dre looks dope. I was like, that seems cool. Like you make beats, you rap, you live at like a big ass mansion in LA and you like build businesses like Dre's beats. I was like, that seems pretty cool. So wasn't quite that cut and dry, but I think that's a good place to start. Think about what do you want your day-to-day life to look like and then reverse engineer it. And that's the place to start. But uh, so that's why I kind of disagreed on him in terms of like finding your unique abilities, but I do think it is important to, to dive into what are maybe your skills and then stack them. I'm not the best songwriter. I'm not the best producer. I'm not the best engineer, but if I stack them, boom, 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 I'm now in a league of a much smaller competition of people who can do all of those things. And so you kind of layer skills on top of each other and you start to create a little bit more of your own category for yourself. Another, the last two pieces of this, and then I promise I'll shut up, is we're getting, we're boiling it back down to how can I serve? How can I help? What can I offer? What can I give rather than what can I, what's in this for me? And this idea, I'll finish it with this, of this idea of thinking about how can I serve? How can I help? That as a man, and I encounter this a lot in the men's circle, we, we're so quick to want to give advice as the analytical piece of our brain starts going. We want to fix things. I think it's very second nature for a lot of men. And as you hear people start to talk about problems, you immediately say, oh, this is what you need to do. Oh, okay, I know exactly what you're feeling. This is what you need to do. And instead, I think what we could really gain a lot from myself, these are hard to do, hard to be aware of this in the moment. Something I've started to do is, what, what do you want from me in this moment? And to straight up ask people that. What can I be for you in this moment? Do you want me to help? Do you want me to shut the hell up and just be someone that you listen to? Do you want me to listen critically and give you feedback on these ideas? Do you want me to ask questions? Do you just want 
a punching bag. You just let it rip and you want me to just mindlessly agree with you, whatever it is. There's a real power, I think, in asking how can I help or in asking what do you want from me in this moment? And sometimes you can figure that out without asking, but as a communicator, myself, really trying to work on that more, and again, this entire piece of giving more than getting, of really trying to show up for people in whatever form they need from me at that moment when we have that time together. And again, whether we're talking about purpose, talking about friends, talking about family, whatever it is, when you're engaging with another human being, thinking about how can I leave this person better off in this interaction than when I came in? Maybe it is you're offering some really cool perspective on stuff, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's listening. Maybe it's asking questions. Maybe it's being interested, making somebody feel important, feeling seen, right? I think that's the whole Dale Carnegie thing, the win win friends influence people. It's really like that book should have been titled like, shut the fuck up and listen. And that is like what encapsulates that entire book. Um, but I think more often than not, than jumping in with our perspective, what we believe, et cetera, we could do a lot more if we kind of took a step back and thought about just seeing somebody, making somebody feel understood. And I think that's really all we want, like nine times out of 10, unless we ask for it. So now going into stuff, I try to ask for it. I say, hey, I want you to push back on this. What's your perspective on this? Give me your two cents. Here's an idea I'm kind of playing with. Tell me what you think. Or I'm saying, listen, I don't, I know what I need to do. I just want you to listen right now. So there's that. Overall, I recommend, I can't recommend the book. I do recommend the audio book. I think it was cool. Um, I, I wouldn't say it was a complete game changer for me. A lot of these ideas I'd stumbled on before, but if you're kind of new to the space, maybe there's some new stuff in there. Um, I still think um, one that was kind of in the same vein, but a bigger game changer for me was Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. That is a game changer. That is a book that like I need to come back once a year to. This one I feel like, yeah, these are cool concepts and maybe something I, I need to revisit more often, but there was still maybe, a, it was maybe more in hippy dippy land than it was in like more like, I like biology. I'm a little bit more scientist than I am, I think, um, philosopher. So I think that's for me. Sometimes I like it when things are rooted in, in some Sometimes things are practical more than it's like just the secret. But this was cool. I liked it. I had takeaways and I thought it was a good, a good, uh, a good little mental, mental programming. Either way, check it out if you feel so inspired. Next week coming back in action about ayahuasca. Looking forward to um, chat with you guys then. Again, if you got questions, fire my way at Kia Orion everywhere online. Thanks for tuning in. If you even made it this far, you're a real one. Appreciate you listening. You're cheaper than therapy. All right. See you in a week. Ciao.